be bold saying time this year, be bold saying time for when you honor yesterday, tomorrow ye will find no what we fought need not be forgot nor for none. It defines us, binds us as one. Come over, join this day just begun for wherever we come together, we will forever over. Happy New Year and welcome back to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was the end of Amanda Gorman's new poem, New Day's Lyric, which echoes Martin Luther King's call to overcome, which we closed out 10 Minutes on Democracy with last year. And she offers an invitation and a hope for all of us for what may come in the year ahead. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. Moving from Gorman's recording last year, just five days ago, to today, I have a couple of updates from a relatively quiet year-end break. And while these first few days of 2022 haven't offered any bombshell developments, we are seeing the outlines of some make-or-break moments this month. First, and the biggest uh, in terms of the future of our democracy, was Senator Chuck Schumer announcing that the Senate will debate and consider changes to Senate rules on or before January 17th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, to protect the foundation of our democracy, free and fair elections. So this is about whether we can change the filibuster and pass the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Democrats still need to convince Senators Manchin and Sinema to vote for a rules change, but Schumer is forcing the issue and is going to call for a debate and a formal vote, make them get on the record one way or another. And basically, it's a question. Will we either see these critical pieces of federal legislation pass, or will resistance from Republican senators plus Manchin or Cinema or both doom elections to really extreme suppression and gerrymandering for years to come? From the New York Times editorial board to global leaders to local activists around the country, the statements around the critical moment we're in are amplifying. Seeing a lot more come out in these last few days around this make or break moment. If you're wondering, I should note, if you're wondering on how you can give in this critical moment, please do reach out to One for Democracy. It really is a tipping point. You know, if the changes to the filibuster fail, these bills will not pass. And the litany of state voter suppression acts and gerrymandered maps that have been passed and the new ones that are teed up and being drafted now will radically change and distort our elections for years to come. If that happens, it won't mean that all hope is lost, but what it will mean is that we will be fighting an uphill battle for decades for our democracy, frankly, as or more severe than that faced by women's rights and civil rights leaders who fought for decades to gain the vote for women and for people of color. It's that type of moment that we're in and what we're going to be looking at in these next couple weeks. Schumer also noted when he said that we're going to be facing a Senate vote on or before MLK Day around rules changes, that they would be using the anniversary of the January 6th insurrection to highlight the threats facing our democracy. It's worth noting over 700 people have now been arrested in connection with the January 6th riots. The FBI is still looking for more people. Of those they've arrested, almost 10% have been sentenced for riot-related crimes, and 45% of them have been sentenced to either prison or time served in jail, ranging from 10 days to over five years. Three people were charged with assaulting police officers and have gotten prison terms ranging from three to five years. 
Also connected to January 6th, the House Select Committee announced uh, yesterday that it will be holding public hearings this month, and they've begun kind of sharing quietly tidbits of information of what they've been discovering, uh, like comments from Vice Chair Lynn Cheney, who said they have testimony that Ivanka Trump twice encouraged her father to call off the violence. So we'll be seeing a lot more about the January 6th insurrection in the days to come. The other big news um, related to the big lie that was actually very quietly released. On Friday, the first piece of the audit of the 2020 election in Texas, which was launched back in September after Trump demanded that Texas Governor Greg Abbott investigate the election in the state, was quietly released. And unsurprisingly to anyone except those who believe misinformation, the report said that investigators found nothing out of the ordinary with the 2020 election. This has been the pattern. Big cries for audits, and even when they attempt to find everything, anything, they're not. Uh, but that doesn't seem to stop the big lie from spreading. The other item worth reviewing is the slow but inexorable march towards our new election maps from the delayed redistricting process. More states are finally finishing maps, and we got final adoptions in California, New Jersey, New Mexico, Virginia, Michigan, and Georgia since our last update. California made considerable changes across the state with its new maps, and for the first time in its history, lost a congressional district during reapportionment. It was a big win for Democrats overall. All 42 of their incumbents ended up with D plus 10 seats, and there were two seats that were merged due to California losing a seat, and five of the 11 Republican incumbents got a little bit more vulnerable. California also saw the continued rise of Latino power with the growing population there, leading to 18 congressional seats with 50% plus Latino voting age populations, up from 13 in the previous maps. Additionally, one in four of the new state assembly districts and the state senate districts have majority Latino voting populations. Over on the East Coast, the tie-breaking member of New Jersey's congressional redistricting sided with Democrats to approve the party's preferred map in a vote at the end of December. And down in Virginia, the state Supreme Court approved new congressional and legislative maps, which actually set almost half of the state delegates and state senators with the prospect of either running against a colleague, moving, or retiring. And that's because the special masters who were appointed by the court chose to focus on keeping localities and communities together instead of protecting incumbents. So you have one of the biggest kind of shakeups in a state legislative set of races in Virginia as a result. Over in Georgia, um, Republican Brian Kemp finally signed Georgia's new congressional and legislative maps on December 30th. I talked about those over a month ago because he signed it just two days before the deadline because he's basically been trying to slow the clock for lawsuits. But of course, three of those lawsuits were filed immediately alleging that the maps discriminate against Black and Latino voters. And here in the Midwest, Michigan also approved maps through its first ever independent redistricting process. In Michigan, the state Senate map actually gives Democrats their best shot in years to win a majority in the state's upper chamber. And while the state House chips away at the Republican advantage from decades of partisan gerrymandering, it still does favor Republicans. The big controversy in Michigan was the Independent Redistricting Commission's approach to complying with the Voting Rights Act. And it will definitely be the subject of litigation. Lawsuits are already being prepared and filed. The maps, the new maps eliminate any majority black districts in the state Senate and reduce the number of majority black 
districts in the state house from 11 down to seven. So you're seeing a lot of concern, especially in the Detroit area, about that. Speaking of lawsuits, we're also now deep into redistricting litigation, and that's going to continue for months to come. I will try not to give you every single case every week, but it's worth keeping track of them. They have a huge impact on the future of our democracy and the balance of political power in the country. Last week, um, a three-judge federal district panel upheld the Illinois, Illinois legislative maps, rejecting challenges that the maps undermined Black and Latino voting power. And down in North Carolina, the state court is beginning its trial on a pair of cases challenging the maps around both partisan gerrymandering and diluting the voting power of Black North Carolinians. As I mentioned late last year, it was an unexpected move the North Carolina Supreme Court paused candidate filings for the 2022 election and delayed the state's primary from March to May to ensure there's a final decision on the maps before the elections. Per the state Supreme Court's order, the trial that just began yesterday must be finished by January 11th, so we'll know more next week, and then any appeal will be heard on an expedited basis. Hearings also began today challenging Alabama's new courts on racial grounds. And before a special panel appointed by the Minnesota Supreme Court, arguments were heard are going to be heard today that Minnesota will not be able to adopt maps by its February 15th deadline and the courts will need to enact maps instead, which it's done every decade since 1980. So all of these lawsuits moving forward, we're going to kind of start getting a lot more clarity. We're seeing a lot of um, people announce which races they are running for now that these maps are getting finalized. So you'll start to see the lay of the land. Where are the midterms heading? Overall, what it seems to be is what we've expected. The maps are turning out to be slightly advantaged to Republicans. As I've mentioned before in months past, it seems that the strategy is to have more solid Republican districts rather than have as many slightly leaning Republican districts as possible. And so while people are saying, oh, the maps are not as badly gerrymandered as they could be, it also means that all you need is a slightly gerrymandered set of maps to change the balance of power in the U.S. House of Representatives. There's a very slim majority, so even a slight gerrymander can winnow that away, and that seems to be where we're headed. But these lawsuits will be critical, as well as the passage of the Freedom to Vote Act, which would prohibit partisan gerrymandering. But we'll have to see what happens on that in the next two weeks. But for now, that's all for this first review of democracy developments in 2022. It'll be a busy year as we look to the future of our election system, the dynamics of the midterms. I'm sure we'll have a lot to cover next week as the country's back in full gear after the holiday break. But until then, I'm Jason Franklin. I wish you a really healthy start to this new year. I look forward to talking with you again on 10 Minutes on Democracy next week. Take care. <laughs>